Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Before we continue where we left off, let's hear who we have at the table, players and characters. Han, will you begin? Hello, I'm Han, and I am playing Winnie, Guardian of the Shared Sky. Brennan? I'm Brennan. I am playing Brother Arcos Gerard, Priest of Furia. And Rob? I'm Rob, playing Magnus Vale, Master of Day and Night. And I am Amelia Song, your GM. And if I remember correctly, you all are entering the city of Rel, the capital of Koira. So you all begin making your way toward the city. Rob, what does Magnus look like? Yes. Magnus has taken a new form that nobody in this party would have seen before. And it's a form that looks sort of alien on him because he, I think contrary to what I said last time, he looks like a sporting fae lad in about his early 20s. Um, But being fae looks sort of younger, like uh, sort of in his teenage years. His appearance is, I imagine him in my mind looking oddly similar to uh, Link from Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, I think, in terms of uh, like sharp features, elephant, and sort of androgynous. Um, And he wears, um, yeah, this like cyan, like light blue, like cloak with uh, green embroidery. I think the only person that I'd seen Magnus ever take this form is Julian, and it was uh, an accident that Julian had seen this form, Um, and it's never really been addressed between him and Magnus what happened. Um, So he looks younger and has like blonde hair, green eyes, and is like very like sprite-like since he's very energetic, uh, very much unlike Magnus and unlike the Autumn Stranger, that uh, this is a much different form than Magnus usually takes. Um, And he has been so far just walking quietly towards the rear of the group and not really saying anything and kind of keeping quiet about the transformation. Okay. And you all head toward city gates as you uh, 
make your way up, you see a guard, rather plainly dressed, not incredibly adorned, wearing simple armor, who looks over all of you. What purpose do you have in Rel? Um, when he's going to walk up to the guard. Um, hi there. We have business at the library of Anemeros. All of you? Yes. Yes, it's true. Do you consent to receive a magical spell? That depends on the type of spell. It is to discern your purpose here. Sure, yeah. I I look back at everyone else. Absolutely. I have no problem with that. Everyone else nods. And you see um, this guard take their hands and sort of kind of make a spade shape in between them, flat palmed above their forehead, and an eye forms. And as they take their hands apart, sort of tracing a circle in the air before they combine right around uh, their waist, uh, you see runes that are... The spell isn't necessarily entirely familiar to you, Magnus, um, but you do recognize the nature of the runes. It seems to be some sort of uh, divination. And um, each of you feel a little tug as you look toward the center of this ornate menagerie of shapes and lines that have formed in this circle of glowing light in front of this person. Do you let whatever is being tugged be pulled from you? Yes, sure. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Without... Without restraint. Um, yes, except that uh, this persona of Magnus is not really Magnus. So I think it would only get sort of a vague notion of like what... So, oh, I forgot to mention, this form is called Luft. Um, Luft is like not quite... has the, not, Does not have the same necessarily like wants as Magnus, but would allow this magic to happen regardless. What does Luft want? Luft wants to get laid. (laughs) (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) We have Breath of the Wild Link in our uh, party. (laughs) Horny Breath of the Wild Link just traveling with us now. Horny Breath of the Wild has entered the chat. Which, like, if you've ever played Breath of the Wild, everyone in that game is very openly so thirsty for Link. (laughs) So, like, I feel like this is going to work out to (laughs) Luft's desires very quickly and easily. What is Luft's thing? Like, you know, like, (laughs) you had, like, the Autumn Stranger, you know, Magnus has his, like, cross. Like, what is Luft's, like, shtick? So the uh, just just to recap, the Autumn Stranger was uh, sort of a, a representation of the god Jorgen that that Magnus worships. That is like synonymous with like hospitality and like the autumn and like the harvest. Luft is the uh, a, a figure from uh, sort of like an ancient story of Jorgen that is like the personification of 
uh, springtime fertility and uh, like a new beginning and is known as the Windbringer. Um, Banging. So he, he takes, yes, and he, he can take either the form of Luft or Lufta, uh, male or female, although he's presenting himself as male, but he is sort of androgynous in that. Um, fae, uh, sort of like, it's supposed to sort of represent like the potential of life, I suppose. And so this is another aspect of Jorgen that is uh, very far distant from what Magnus typically thinks about with Jorgen, which is why it's sort of an accident that he's been transformed um, into this this form. Well, okay, so to, to lay the cards on the table, Magnus did not intend to turn into Luke. Okay, gotcha. He meant to turn into the Autumn Stranger, and Luft is now here. Understood. <laughs> All right. Oh, it's like, only Rob is going to understand this, but it's like in Kingdom Hearts 2, when you want to use one of your drive forms, and you uh, get turned into anti-form, and it's super annoying. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a very similar dynamic to that. He also, uh, yeah, has, he speaks different. Yeah. So Luft is here. <laughs> okay. Um... Yeah, so as... as <laughs> this... the, the, the eye divination, it's like, this one wants to bang, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> this one is thirsty AF. Let it be known through my divination. Number three, my lord. <laughs> um, hello, Christ? <laughs> um, as, uh, as this spell uh, is cast... Um... You all sort of release that, and this guard looks each and one of you over, making eye contact and nods and says, Welcome to the city. And there is a gate. It is apparently illusory now, as you see the rock of the wall seem to part not where the door of the gate is drawn but in an arbitrary location as if morphed away creating an opening for you all to enter and as you do you are um in this main thoroughfare the city itself is um like one large circle with three smaller circles um, off of the edge so you are coming at the bottom of this large circle kind of like a i don't know what this shape is it would be like mickey mouse almost except there's like three of them for three zones of the city um and as you move inward there is a large road that goes alongside the outer wall almost entirely continuously with the exception of some structures a lot of the buildings here are made out of stone um, and they are formed. So you see like there's this lower, the lower layers of the city, like the first story and maybe second story at least of most buildings is stone. Some are larger and then many have uh, wooden structures built on top. Um, As you begin walking through, you all know the House of Sar is essentially all the way across the city and and it's contained to a district that's one of those smaller circles attached to this main one, essentially. But as you walk, you can see these stone uh, buildings 
are an entirely different architecture from what is on top. They look old and ancient, but they're not worn and decrepit, which is notable. You and those of you who have been to Rel have would be familiar with this that uh, the city itself is a sort of living history because there are so many uh, mages who understand how to manipulate the earth. They have been meticulously preserving this as well as they can since uh, in the memory of what it looked like after the last epoch. So the things that were destroyed then are destroyed now in the same placements, but other new life is built on top of it. You can see other stone buildings that are built on these foundations, and the new craftsmanship is more modern. Obviously, some of it is older. This is the first established city. So it's almost like the layers of the city as you go upward uh, reflect the last almost 2,000 years of history, and in some cases, even older. Um, and uh, you would also know that they have widened the city many times. So these outer areas tend to be newer as you are working your way into this main thoroughfare. It's a wheel and spoke kind of pattern. It's much more well-organized uh, than uh, forlorn from a visitor just stepping in perspective. It is very clear-cut, very uh, segmented and laid out. Um, and you guys proceed inward. Are you heading straight to the House of Sar, or are you making any stops along the way? What time of day is it? <clears throat> um, Checks Winnie's hair. Uh, you guys slept the night, and then you right, and then you came in the morning. Yeah, I think that. Was, so that it was would be it would be pretty early in the morning. Not like early morning, maybe like ten or eleven, mid morning, okay. as it were. Um. Yeah, I think I think we just go straight there, unless anyone else has anything to do. You don't have any family in town, do you? My sister is in town, but I am not going to go there with everyone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would know that. <laughs> <clears throat> Woody, would you like to visit your sister first? Um, I'd rather not bring the whole parade to her apartment. Like, I'll probably stop by at some point when, like, there's some downtime. Like, I don't think she would appreciate me bringing all my adventure buddies with me. That's something I can understand. Magnus can be a little unwill- Wait a minute. Uh, Magnus, what am I to call you in this particular form? That's a great question. Who the hell are you right now? Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't introduce myself earlier. Uh, my name is Luft, and uh, Magnus is taking a bit of a nap at the moment. So, Luft, Luft, with like a long. What is ooh. what does taking a nap mean? Like, can you he hear me talking to you right now? I was going to ask the same question. <laughs> you mean he really hasn't? Explained any of this to you? I mean, he changes into different forms every now and then, but uh, she looks him up and down. We haven't gotten this one, and usually it's Magnus telling us that he's Magnus still. We don't usually get, like, a different driver here, so this is a little concerning. Yes, um, I don't know that I'm the right one to divulge. 
all of that. That is to say, uh, Magnus is, um, there's sort of a couple of us in here, and most of the time it's all Magnus. But I was getting a bit bored inside, and the Autumn Stranger's getting on in years, and so I just sort of pushed him out of the way and cut in line when he was doing the transformation spell, so I thought I'd stretch my legs, maybe uh, meet a few of the locals. And he, like, waves over to, like, a girl over at a stand, I think, in the city. Uh, she kind of blushes and giggles to her friend. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I kind of toss a glance at um, her end to see what his reaction is here. Or maybe Julian. I'm going to Not Julian. Not her end. <laughs> Julian, yeah. Um, I forgot Julian was here. You're in... I, I'm just going to give you this one for free. You're in... <laughs> So fucking confused. Yeah. <laughs> Does yeah, not know I should, I how to that, process yeah. that face. As like stone faced is who we're in usually is, but you can just see in his eyes that uh, his metric for being able to tell whether or not something is weird is not really calibrated toward this group. And then you guys <laughs> yeah. thinking that this is weird is now making him worried. <laughs> like, wait, okay, so this isn't normal. Normal. Great. Yeah. Um, Julian looks a little... Uh, go ahead and make a notice check for me. Yeah. Yeah, six. Okay. Um, on a six, you can see that uh, Julian looks a little uncomfortable. I shoot him a glance very like clearly. Like... You know what's going on. Yeah, and he kind but, like, of... like, secretly... I, like, I don't expect him to pipe up right now, but, like... Yeah, you can see on. that uh, he catches your gaze briefly. Well, I guess we can't really do it on this right now. Might as well just move forward. I'm sensing a bit of tension over my arrival. And I understand that, of course. Tension bit... is not the word I would have used. I would say, um... Winnie, uh, <clears throat> what would you say, Winnie? Unease. Un-ease it's not. A, it's yes. not against you, sweetheart. It's. It's about um, M- Magnus, which is clearly not one hundred percent you. Oh, see, no. But we're, again, in, we're in full agreement that this is Magnus's fault. That you're unprepared for this. We can. <laughs> we can ally on the same side against Magnus, but uh, I'm not going to say it's not not Magnus's fault, or that it is were not his fault if it were not. Does that make sense? Yes, and he is getting on in years, and the past few months have not been kind to him. I don't know, truthfully, that I could have manifested as such if he hadn't been so run down. But that is to say that he is completely fine, and um, just because he's asleep doesn't mean he's sort of gone. Magnus and I are attached and um, have similarities, but are different people. So, uh... I heard you guys are on a quest. At, w- one more thing here. Asking for a friend. <laughs> I must know. Getting on in years. We're about the same age. I will say I do age much more slowly. Being a <clears throat> forest giant myself. But h- how old are you? Oh, I... Oh, um... Oh, you know what's funny about this place? The mage is here. They make it so it looks just like it did, say, a thousand years ago. Oh my god. 
All right. Well, I have one last question. Should we need, like, 100% full Magnus? Would we be able to get access to him at a moment's notice? Um, so Luft does have access to all of Magnus's powers, just nothing additional. Um, they're just sort of textured different, um, but it's still the same magic. So I think what Luft is going to do is, like, with a little bit more, like, wind magic attached to it, just summon sort of a normal fireball that Magnus would throw and say, Oh, I am no lightweight. Don't worry, I've had my fair share of scraps. Well, that's good enough for me, in that case. Okay. <laughs> Alright, let's 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 worry about this later, and I'm gonna move forward. Well, we'll be sure to give Magnus a right talking to about your ignorance. It really is not responsible for him to keep this many secrets. <laughs> can I, like, glance at Askarath really quick, and just, I don't know if I could telepathically be like, you've seen a lot of interesting stuff, you've studied a lot of stuff, is this weird to you too? Just give her, her a look like, you know... Like a uh, make a notice check. Uh, Need at God. least an eight. As Karath Queen, not, I love her. I'm not sure we're gonna get an eight. Uh, that's it. Maybe my four exploded before falling off the desk. No, that's just a four. Oh my God. Okay. She's hard you to read. <laughs> if you if you want to use them. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna reroll the I'm gonna reroll the six real quick. Sure. No, you re-roll the whole thing. Oh, the whole thing? Okay. Yeah. And you keep whichever one's higher. Oh, my God. That's even lower. Oh, man. (laughs) So hard to read. She's been stone-faced this entire time. You can't even, like, her, like, there's a cloak. You can't see, you can't see what the fuck. Can't even see her face. God damn it, guys. Looks not, has never been less nonplussed in her entire life. (laughs) (laughs) I, I guess I respect that. I do respect that. <laughs> Askarath probably likes a man with more meat on her bones than Luft, honestly. She's she's into the, the taller folk. I, I don't think that's what this is about. I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm just going to... That would that. never cross Luft's mind. He thinks that it's all that. <laughs> you ever get summoned into existence for the first time in a while and the first thing you do is wink at a random girl? <laughs> <laughs> Well, what else is a man supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, hello, hi. Um. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes. Um, in my desperate attempt to think about anything else, uh, we are indeed going on a bit of a quest. Well, that's wonderful. I think I'll tag along, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'd rather not lose you at this point. Well, losing you would also mean losing Magnus, which would be... Yeah, that's my that's my point. That's that's yeah. Yes, you caught on there. <laughs> well, it's good to know that you care so much about me, friend, and my roommate. And he taps his head. Do you have to do that? <laughs> so worrying to hear. <laughs> I, can we ignore that? I just don't want to think about. It. <laughs> I also IRL. I'm like. The fuck is this about? Oh, Argos, Argos, you need to relax and learn to smell the flowers. If you're not careful, your life will suck and pass you by. Eh? Tough crowd. Anyway, shall we get going? Yeah, let's get going. Please. As you all begin to walk through the city... Um, going into older and older districts, um, the houses towering higher 
are the structures towering higher, probably around four or five stories on average. You make your way toward the offshoot circle attached to the larger city that you would all recognize as the district referred to as the House of Sar. As you begin walking, it's an interesting thing. You're not running, you're going at a pretty normal pace, but you're not distracted. You've been making steady progress toward this part of the city. And yet, something seems to have gotten here before you. As you make your way through the crowds ambling, it's a busy morning. There are, you know, street vendors and tents and tables out on these wide thoroughfares that you're taking. You have to shift a couple times. Um, But you notice people seem to be looking out for you every now and then whispering to each other. Um, Some in awe, some curious. Um, as it seems, news of the arrival of this group has preceded you. As you head toward the House of Sar, the street opens up into a natural sort of grassy land. You haven't seen much green space in the city. There are some terraces and small community gardens, but most of the farmland lies outside. There are these large, rounded, rectangular pillars extending upward in a sort of, not quite a fence. There's maybe 10 feet in between them. They're each about three feet wide, 10 feet or 12 feet tall. They're uncarved. Um, but they're positioned around the outside of the circle between here and the natural wall of the city, sort of completing an invisible circular shape around this area. Goes on maybe a few hundred feet of curvature. And behind them, sort of offset rows of circular uh, pillars inward and between you and this district of the city. There are some people kind of winding their way through. You see um, there's about 15 feet in between the outer row and the next row and the next row after that. You see uh, some people are praying next to these. Others have a blanket and are sitting, meditating. Some people are just talking, wandering through. There are patterns of stones on the ground that make walkways but others are on the grass this is the outermost stone garden uh, that makes up the edge of the house of sod it's beautiful isn't it it's gorgeous absolutely breathtaking It shines as bright as it did the first day I saw it stand. He's really gonna stop bringing that up. <laughs> also, I, also, to be be clear, these are like gray stones. They, they don't shine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He's a poetic lad, you know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I feel like I would notice that. <laughs> yeah, it's like very like Stonehenge kind of vibes here. Arcos would, would look at the, the, 
the, the, the dull stone and say, like, yes, shines. Do you walk past this threshold? Yeah. Unless there's a reason I shouldn't be walking past the threshold. <laughs> um, as you do, this area extends for... Oh, there's like four rows of these, each about 10 to 20 feet apart. And these concentric circles, the outermost ones are entirely smooth stone. Um, the inner ones have carvings and until you get to the innermost ones and you see these beautiful relief sculptures of battles um, kind of winding their way up and around these large rounded rectangular forms. Um, if you stop at one, you see carvings of chariots and soldiers marching in lines, fighting, uh, floods, fires. It's incredibly meticulous stonework. Um, those of you who are more religiously inclined would know that this would be uh, a sort of tribute to uh, the god Mesenorea. Who tends to be a sort of patron of many craftspeople. And as you press inward, the grass grows more lush, and inside this bustling city center, it grows into bushes and trees, many of which look unfamiliar to you all, except, I guess, Luft slightly, and um, Winnie who recognize some of these forms as native to the Feywild. There is a lush thicket you move through maybe um, a few dozens of feet. You can see looking sideways, it almost seems like you're in the midst of a lush, dense forest and not inside a city. There is uh, a fire and a log cabin off in the distance. There's a treehouse even further, the kind that you see in the Feywild. As you begin, your stone path has become a dirt trodden underfoot, winding sort of meandering way back toward where you know deep within a temple to be. Do you stay along this path or do you go into the woods? I stay along the path. I know it's not good to uh, wander off, especially when fae-type things are concerned. As you all walk along this path, again, a while, it is hard to judge distance in this area. You come toward an area where... The trees begin to clear, and there's this beautiful, lush clover all against the ground. A few inches high, soft and gentle. And you see a large building. Not entirely unlike the chapel in Forlorn. Beautiful stained glass light, except instead of refracting several colors it is a very clear golden yellow white beautifully long vaulted archways a smooth marble unlike the church of forlorn this isn't incorporated into trees it feels like the glowing of the sun 
and behind it, it extends into this beautifully tapered stone structure that you know is the House of Sar, and more importantly, the Library of Anemeros. stands before you. The clearing goes further beyond and out and around this building is roughly the size of a city block. I always thought it was a bit overkill. I mean, how many books do you really need to store in one place, am I right? Well, they seem to be very important books. So, it's not about the quantity, but perhaps the quality. Oh, sure, sure, yes. Corded memory of all things and all that. Or so they say. If I may, Luft, <clears throat> how much of Magnus's life are you completely aware of? I sort of drift in and out of conversations. I mean, most of the time he's talking about the most boring shite I could think of, like magical formulas and runes and all that. But I catch wind of a thing or here or two, mostly out of context. It's sort of like hearing people talk when you're asleep. Huh. That's interesting. If you were to describe the relationship Magnus has with this particular place in three words or less, what would you give me? Or just describe it, either way. Okay. Oh, I, I like a good word game. Okay, three words to describe Magnus's relationship with this big fuck-off library. God damn it. Okay, okay, okay. Chased. That's one. By. That's two. Librarians. That's three. Chased by library. Oh, that's a hard word to say. Chased by librarians. Yes. Chased by librarians. Excellent. Well, in that particular case, we're going to be in our best behavior, right? Oh, of course. I wouldn't dream of doing anything untoward in a house such as this. I would hope not. Excellent. I must say it's a bit grand, but I've... I've never been one to... to be able to avoid marveling at such craftsmanship. It's beautiful. Stone. That must have taken ages. Um, I'm gonna walk over just casually to one of these trees mm -hmm. and just kind of, I want to connect with this forest that is around it, if possible. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, I think in the last episode, I described Winnie kind of breathing with the land when she landed near here. So I think I want to do kind of the same thing, see if she can, like, feel the pulse, feel if it's, like, actually, you know... Uh, all fair related yeah. um, that sort of thing um, Yeah, I can make a check if you want me to I think did we have you make a spirit check or I don't think I made a check before okay for I this one since you're it. trying to glean information I and there's some other stuff here too I would love for you to make a spirit check perfect Ooh, I have a d8 in that love to see it that's a 10 okay with a 10 um, the first thing I will give you is, yeah, as Winnie takes a deep breath, your hand on the tree, you feel your heart beating 
and the pulse of blood and that energy within you and the vibration of that movement in your hand upon the bark of the tree and you feel the tree absorbing that and the movement of the sap within and the movement of the bark along the tree ever so slowly upward and growing outward and you feel that familiarity it is a vibration and a song that you know well it and as it extends up and outward it's downward into the roots of crave that you know the way the dirt here feels that anchor um different than the one in old fair but you feel the root systems that are intertwined and echo outward through this forest and the trees and many of them feel familiar and many of them do not feel of this world and are also unknown to you so while there is the presence of a lot of fey energy and flora um, you haven't seen any fauna yet as you take this deep breath flutter your eyes open you also notice there are many plants here you do not recognize the ones that you do you can trace to Ulfair. Okay. I think if she gets that, like, familiarity back, a smile probably passes over her face, just out of instinct, feeling like she's back in Old Fair, feeling that rejuvenation, that familiarity, that second home that she hasn't been to in a long time. Um, but then kind of takes notes of the things that she's not super familiar with in her very hunter-ranger sort of instinct, just uh, kind of making a mental map of the land and what she doesn't recognize. Um, and yeah, she just takes a deep breath. <clears throat> I like it here. And then she re back, goes back and rejoins the group. You look like somebody that's just been welcome home. A little bit, in a way. Not quite, but a little bit. I take your meaning. All right, are we ready to go in? Lead the way. I'm going in. You head in for such an impressive building. You notice that the frontal facade does not have a door. It has a large window that leads into a massive atrium. You um, have has Winnie been here before? Do you think? Probably. I don't, I can't really think of, like, what context, but yeah, probably um, being one. such a well-known figure here, that like, yeah, probably. Yeah, it would be common for certain types of meetings to happen here, uh, especially ones that would involve uh, ambassadors from the Twilight Wilds. Right. And uh, as you approach, you walk a little bit to the right around kind of this frontal part of the building, and you see an unassuming wooden door that you open and enter through a fairly uninteresting plain hallway that opens up back it curves around opens back into this atrium where there is a beautiful chandelier 10 feet across 
hanging downwards. There's no chains, no cords that hold it, but these circular halos of light that illuminate this space. Three stories of books along the walls, some flying back and forth, constantly sorting and resorting themselves walkways along the edges and spiral staircases all of the way up. There are step stools that you see. Uh, it's like it's almost like a step stool that's like three steps high and then a pole in the center and people walk and grab onto it and it elevates them up to the top while others take the stairs. There is a uh, central reference desk with a uh, very short woman who is sitting uh, seemingly going over an incredibly large tome has these unfurled scrolls out and along the side and you notice that aside from maybe a handful of scribes or scholars all wearing very similar off-white warm colored unassuming robes uh it is silent there is no one here and uh this woman with glasses does not look up when you enter and turns the page as she reads from one book to the next to the scroll, taking a few moments at each one, not bothered for time, doesn't acknowledge you. Do I know her? Um, yes, you would recognize her. Uh, she just goes by Lilith, and she is the head librarian of Anemoros. I'm going to, um, and very, I will say you would know that she is one of the most powerful people in this city and certainly in this area of the city. Then I'm on good terms with this person. You are on good terms. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to very quietly and cautiously trying not to disturb her or scare her, um, walk up to her, um, and say you walk up and she holds up one finger um if you did not know her you would assume this is rude uh right uh-huh. this is her polite way of saying don't interrupt me uh-huh. and yeah. you've never tried but you know from story that you should wait mm-hmm. uh and uh, she has you standing there for like a full two minutes <laughs> as she continues looking And then lowers her hand and looks up expectantly and says, Well? Hello there, Miss Lilith. It's good to see you again. What brings you here, Winnie? Well, my friends and I here have a little bit of world saving to do, if if you will. And um, our, our search has brought us back here. To the library of Anemoros. And what do you seek from the library of Anemoros? Um, she kind of gets a little bit uncomfortable at this question because we still really don't have a concrete answer on what we're looking for, right? Correct. Me asking? Okay, um, well, we don't really have a concrete answer to that question. We have 
in more or less of a way kind of lost the, the path a little bit and we believe that we have clues that are leading us here we had we our our leads took us to uh another location in the church of feria back in forlorn and exploring the crypt under the church we were able to speak with some being that we believe to be in connection with the blight and everything else that's been going on and our other location that those same leads are bringing us to is here so we're just hoping to come here looking for a little bit of an answer because we did find a little bit of one in the last place looking for an answer well luckily for you that is what librarians do (laughs) so all i ask is what is your question Let me get back to you on that one. And I'm going to kind of step away and back and rejoin the group. Um, <laughs> um, hey, y'all. She wants a question. What's our question here? My first suggestion is one that will not result in one of us getting hit by a rock. I would also like that. Same page. See, this is this is the type of situation, Luft, where Magnus would be really great to have because I feel like he would be he's really good with the questions and the the, you know, history and magic and all this sort of stuff. I wasn't going to say it, but now that it's been said, that's entirely correct. <laughs> so if you could just uh woo you know what I mean? But uh, that's so boring, and I just got here. I actually do have a question of my own. Um, Excuse me, Miss Lilith, um, Miss Librarian. Hello, uh, my name is Luft. I was wondering, would you have any books, by any chance, about the god Jorgind? Just some of the old stories, you know. Yes. Are you looking for historical references, folklore, Mm. patterns of worship? Concepts, interpretations of words, claims of sightings. We have many books on Jorgand. You see, like, Lilith sees, like, Luf's eyes sort of lose focus somewhere in the middle distance beyond her shoulder, and then he sort of, like, shakes his head and says, Um, just the oldest stuff you got, I think. The oldest things are in the restricted section, but I can direct you to some stories of folklore that you may find interesting. Mm. Or perhaps I can put you in touch with Yoris Heath. Excuse me now, who's that? Uh, self-described friend of Jorgen represents many of his followers in an unofficial but very compelling capacity. Hmm. Well, that sounds like an interesting man to talk to. I think that would be grand if you'd be so kind as to give me um, a way to contact him. And in the meantime, I could read some of the non-restricted books, I suppose. She kind of makes this little flicking motion with a couple of her fingers. And um, a couple, a few books begin to fly off the shelves, which they all have been, um, and appear to float down gently in front of you. You have a stack of four books. And she says, 
Mr. Heath keeps to the forest. You'll find him in a cabin. I see. Well, thank you very much. And by the by, that was a beautiful use of wind magic, dear. I know. Atta <laughs> <laughs> girl. Uh, and he takes his books happily um, and finds a, a table to just sort of sit and read through some of these stories at. Easy enough. Um, I'm going to go back up to her because I have thought of a question. Um, I think, Lilith, I think where we need the most direction is direction. Where do we go to stop all of this? Uh, I... I think you will find your answer in the Pavilion of Wonder. All right. Where is, where is that? Down that hall. Two lefts. A right. Down. Outside. You'll know it when you see it. Got it. Understood. Thank you so much for all your help. I hope you have a lovely day. I do have a question of you. Yes, of course. Anything. Um, and she kind of gestures uh, toward uh, Craig and Julian, who are just kind of off talking to each other a little bit in the back. Kind of what they do whenever you guys are like business businessing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, the one with the crown. Yes. Would could I speak with him? Is is he under your care or he he he's with us. Yeah. Um Craig. Yeah, uh and uh Craig comes over. Um and uh Craig says Let me guess. Weird prophecy stuff. And uh she just sort of nods at him. And he says, yeah, um, figures I'm just going to go to the pavilion and uh, figure that shit out. And she sort of raises her eyebrows and goes back to her book. All right. Well, at least we're all heading to the same place. <laughs> yeah. Um, Winnie, would you suggest we bring along Loof or not to say we need to keep tabs on him but I think it's best we should keep tabs on him I don't. I think Magnus would want to be as close to the action as possible I think he'd be mad at us if we didn't bring him along an excellent um, point Loof, do you got you can bring your books as long as you don't like leave the property with them Oh, are we going now? Okay. Uh, he's going to, like, put them, uh, he's just going to carry them, I guess. <laughs> you know, along with Magnus's staff. I'm sure Magnus has some sort of bag. Yeah, he does. He, like, has, he, has, he has a satchel. He's going to put satchel. it in Yeah, yeah. Um, a Magnus as... brand designated book satchel for nine ninety nine a month. <laughs> as uh, you all begin walking, uh, she looks up from her books at Hurin, who is still taking this place in as he tends to do when you all have moved past something. <laughs> yeah. um, and says, You look lost. Uh, and he says, 
Yeah, that's an understatement. I've often found that we, we can learn a great deal about ourselves and the world around us through the stories of those who came before. Could I show you something? And uh, he nods, and she begins uh, taking him to a table and some books. And uh, he's going to sit down to read them. Yeah, Luft on his way out is going to notice that her is staying behind and is going to say, Oh, I see. You're going to stay here then, um, Herin, right? Yeah, um, you all seem pretty safe here, and this is a lot for me. A lot, a lot. He says, is, is, is that all right, Magnus, or uh, Luft? Luft is going to approach him, and for the first time, he's going to look a little bit sad, and he's going to say, I'm sorry, Herin, that your brother is a bit of a mess at the moment. Mm. But, of course, you can stay here. And And he sort of looks like he has a headache, and he says, and he says he loves you. Uh, he smiles and just sort of nods. Anyway, he'll probably come back in a day or two with a wicked hangover, so you can yell at him then. Yeah, uh, and uh, he smirks a little bit, and yeah. You head off to the group toward the Pavilion of Wonder. Down the hall, to left, right, down another hall. You you head out to this opening, and... um. You see this circular stone pavilion, um, probably a hundred feet across. It is flat. All the stones, there's no grout in between them. They are each meticulously measured and laid. Concentric circles, each made of different materials. Um, and in the center, a deep black stone surrounded by like white marble and blue sapphire and then jade and emerald and ruby all of these entirely impossibly large quantities of precious stones entirely smooth and flat and uh craig says i had a dream about this yeah you want to explain a little bit um, as much as you want but like you know yeah um this is uh it's like a place for conjunction puts things into alignment um it's very holy all of um all of the gods are here in a way what kind of things does it put into alignment? I I, I don't know. It was kind of a, a feeling. Got it. Um, I'm gonna walk towards the all the jewels and gems and pretty shiny things. Yeah, they're all these 
concentric circles of brick you are walking in each one about a foot wide so you walk past prob it's like like an inventory of all of the different precious stones that exist mm -hmm. in this world and you make your way to the center and it's quiet you are normally in tune with nature and now more than usual you feel the wind as it circles around you it is soft you spend your life guarding these portals that exist in between worlds and while you don't ever get in that in-between space of nil for a moment every time you cross the threshold there is this like this feeling like almost the memory of a tingling sensation it is so brief it is only for that thinmost plane where the two worlds intersect and here you feel it coursing everywhere in the wind and you feel the sense of infinity and of loss and when you were deep deep beneath the earth you felt that rumbling inside you that you could feel a message and it was deep and guttural and visceral and now you feel something that is flowing through you as it flows through everything in this plane and the next you are here physically you're even here mentally and spiritually and yet you can feel as though all of the planes and everything is intersecting on top of itself and as the wind picks up around you something not entirely similar not entirely different whispers in your ear the end after the end after the end after the end over and over again and the start before the start before the start before the start and the middle, the middle, the middle, the middle, the middle. All of these. You've heard sounds on the wind. You've even occasionally sworn you heard voices in the dead of night. But maybe that's just some trick of Olfair. But here, you hear the wind as you never have before. As something that never truly ends that never truly begins and is always iterating in and of itself eternally. And you sit in that for ho as however long as you want to. It's not oppressive. It's not unbearable. You're not under a siren spell. But for once in your life, you feel it. Truly. I think Winnie sits in that for at least a few minutes, um, just soaking it in, remembering it, 
remembering what she's hearing so she can, like, remember the sensation once she steps out of it, has a clear memory of it once she leaves it. Um, but I think she's also curious to see if other people feel the same same way. So I think after a few minutes, she she steps out. And you step out. And the wind dies down. But you still feel it. Air never really stops moving. And as you walk toward your friends, if you stand still and focus, you can still hear it whispering. But if you don't think about it, it's just wind. Have you seen a ghost, Wendy? Something much more than that, for sure. What could it be? I think you should see for yourself. Fair enough. Um, all right. And I'm going to advance toward the same spot, (laughs) (laughs) seeing if the same thing happens to me. You step in the center of this pavilion, and you wait. You're looking outward. There's some grass. There are trees further out that surround this whole area. You don't see anything. You don't feel anything. I am going to just walk back and uh, look a little disappointed and say... You... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. You finish. I'm just... I was going to walk back and look a little disappointed and say something, but is there something yeah. that happens on the way back? <laughs> maybe maybe someone's like, just kidding! I did need to say something. <laughs> Taps me on the you shoulder. Feel that sense of disappointment. Like, Winnie very clearly just had some kind of near-religious experience. <laughs> and you missed out, homie. Like, <laughs> it was not there for you. Maybe Winnie sucked up all the magic juice while <laughs> while she was standing here or something. Sucked up all the wind. <laughs> yeah. As you turn to go and you take that first step, as soon as your foot hits the ground, you see a crack form. And it moves quickly and winding and jagged and jutting and this crack opens and extends miles and blackness underneath you see it is not just a crack it is that syrupy thick blight and it comes straight from your foot and it breaks the earth and the earth upturns and shatters outward you see a creature like you have never seen before a rock titan your friends are pushed up as the earth erupts around it and you see this giant rock behemoth in a physical struggle with some creature of fire and heat and light and they are at it's like godzilla and fucking uh mothra Mothra. like they are equally matched back and forth and there are volcanic eruptions and the sky is black and you do not even know where you're standing as the entire earth 
peels out from inward and surrounds you. And this, this sort of tense exchange goes on for who knows how long, each of them lumbering so slowly it seems, and yet all of it happening in a fraction of an instant until this rock creature envelops the being of fire entirely, smothering it to its core. And you see scars begin to form, areas where the fire begins to break through the surface of this creature, like volcanic ruptures. And they quiet, and they fade in that deep, inky black that came out from your footstep. Forms like scars around this creature. And you feel an intense primordial pain. A deep, deep sorrow you don't quite know how to name and you can tell it's from both of them whatever they were whatever capacity they had to want they didn't want where they were and they didn't want what they are now And as you lift your other foot to take that next step, you are now two steps from the center of the pavilion. Everything is fine. Arcos will collapse onto his knees, and I probably feel dizzy enough to start vomiting, honestly. Just, just like, very sick and disoriented. You start vomiting on the pavilion of wonder. You don't even have to roll for it. What, <laughs> what are you? Ha- you handled that much better than I did. What? I'm. What? I, what did you see? The, the same thing you saw looked like the beginning of the world, or maybe the end of it. One or the other. I didn't see anything like that. I'm gonna go help him up. (laughs) Easy enough. Oh. Well, now I'm just itching to try it and see what happens. (laughs) Whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa. I want to see the end of the world. That sounds neat. That's not what I saw. I I really didn't see. see, I didn't see anything. I just, like, like Craig said, it was an alignment it felt like i don't know it, it's indescri- like i feel i felt at with one with the earth one with everything i i didn't see anything i didn't it wasn't disorienting it wasn't dizzy it what it, you you saw the end of or the beginning of the world 
it'll... You know the stories of old of the... 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 beings, the primordial things that... Do you know? I'm afraid... Do you be mean in the Titans there, Oracles? Um, not well educated on the matter, I'm afraid. Yeah, I know about... Most people know about the Titans, yes. Yeah, you remember the Titans? <laughs> sure do. <laughs> <laughs> sure do. Great movie. <laughs> um, there's not a being alive who's not a deity who would perhaps recognize one, let alone myself, but I think I saw two of them at odds with one another. And what would you say the aspects of those titans were? One of them was of rock, the other of fire. So, probably Arkratos and Alemnos, then. It seems logical. I would believe so. But a titan, a being of... They're associated with the origins of of our world, the birth of land and the, the birth of destruction. It didn't look like the birth of anything. It looked like they were old and one was trying to consume the other and and the rock... It, it, uh, but Kratos finally overcame his adversary and it doesn't look like either one was satisfied. It, it didn't look like the birth of anything. Wait, so one of them beat the other? And he said That's... the one that was on fire was the one that was consumed? If I'm being honest, I thought it would have been the other way around, but yes. It... Huh. But you could tell there was... God, this is... I'm not prepared for this level of... All right, let's movement. let's sit you down and get you some water. Let's. Just, you could tell that you shouldn't it was be questioning still you. alive. Or, it didn't look like it was gone. It looked like it was alive inside of the other one. Okay, it's all right, big guy. Just have a seat and meditate on this. Let me get you a second opinion. And he's gonna start like sort of like running towards the center of the pavilion of wonder. He's gonna like short hop over Arcos's vomit on the way there. He shield surfs into the middle. <laughs> Help. Yep. <laughs> As you run toward the center of the pavilion, the second the, the ball of your foot touches down on that central circular piece, you feel something cut straight through you. And it goes straight to Magnus. And wherever... Magnus's conscious is consciousness is right now the both of you hear another whisper and it says and weep what do you think what do you think Luft does in that moment so the voice just says and weep mm-hmm um, 
Luf just sort of had just like a very like youthful, like happy expression for most of the time that he's been manifested. I think when that when he hears those whispers and he like finishes that step, he's still like smiling brightly, but like Magnus's eyes, the purple cross eyes are like weeping despite the smile and the joy. And Magnus somewhere deep within Luf's subconscious is uh, having a, a a dream, I think, about a lonely tower and a missing empty space in the bed and wilting flowers. That's what you get. Ah, that was upsetting. I, I didn't see the end of the world, though, which is a good thing. So, uh, anybody fancy a snack? Yeah, definitely. And I'm gonna hand out everyone's favorite snacks. <laughs> a welcome uh, sight. This is a lot more dealing with primordial forces and deities than I was expecting this week. So we went from just to recap, we went from co- incredibly comforting to incredibly disturbing to just somewhat off-putting am i like i got that right i got that correct seemed to be an accurate assessment of the theological vibes uh julian uh initially looks toward uh luft and then toward you winnie and (laughs) says um can i try it yeah i mean at your own risk I'm sure Magnus would want you to jump head first. Cool. Um, and uh, he heads toward the center. And he stands there for a moment, like, with this expression on his face. Um, it's so unfortunate because they don't have, like, IMAX in this world, but I imagine it's like the feeling of watching. I didn't see the first Avatar movie in theaters, but I was told it was a very good visual experience. Yes. And I imagine Game that's uh, what he's seeing. Uh, Avatar he's, 3D. Avatar 3D IMAX. <laughs> that's the vibe. Um, and I'll let the audience know. Um. Julian steps on this central place and instinctively looks up and outward. And the sky begins moving day, night, day, night, time passes. And it's going so quickly, it is hard to tell if it is moving forward or backward. And Julian sees the world of Kray. And stones coming back up from the sea, cliff sides becoming mountains. A story running in reverse and forward at the same time, infinitely in both directions. And he hears the word which he says out loud in a 
breath, almost a whisper. Mausolea. And he looks and sees the creation and destruction of continents over and over again, slightly different. He sees himself standing here again and again, as if this moment stretches for eternity. And he steps off and says, Do any of you know what that means? Mausolea.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.